right. Did all the adults, everybody get a piece of paper when they came in today? Everybody got a half sheet? Everybody got something to write with? Because you got an in-class assignment today. <laughs> oh, folks, really, this, this is not a new clear Pepsi. Okay, I'm just using the bottle. It is water. I'm not that addicted to Pepsi. Although I might be, but no, it's water. say it might be a really short service this morning. I couldn't find my notes. Where'd everybody go? All the kids are gone. <laughs> you're still here? Still here. All right. We're glad you're here, Danielle. Dan Danny. Well, I'm always going to get that wrong because I want to call her Danny, and it's Danielle and Danny. Okay. Sorry, these, these guys have been here forever, and I still get the brothers confused, so sorry about that. We're glad you're here this morning. Let's open in a word of prayer, okay? Father, thank you for your greatness We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that you are patient with us. We thank you that you are a forgiving God. Father, as we look into your word... Open our eyes, give us understanding, give us wisdom, and help us at this time next year to be in a better place with you than we are today. We ask that this would be a time of of worship to you, Father, giving glory to you where it belongs. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Spurgeon said... Visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Live in God's Word. Live in the truth. It's it's okay to study other books. It's okay to read other books. But your main book needs to be God's Word. Needs to be the Bible. And I, I am... Putting a little twist on it for myself, uh, just to, to borrow from his idea, but visit many good memories, but don't sit and wallow in past mistakes. It's not beneficial. It doesn't help us to, to focus on the negative in our lives. So let us visit many good memories. But don't live in, don't wallow in our past failures. We need to consider, evaluate, commemorate. That's what Joshua did. If you remember, um, when I first got here, that was the first book that we went through. And I know you remember all the sermons and all the... Yeah, right. 
But the one thing we do need to remember from Joshua is that he, I believe, I didn't go back and count, but I believe it was seven piles of rocks that the, that the Jewish nation left around here and there when God told them to. And what were they there for? Were they there to worship the rocks? No. Were they there to worship the memories? No. But they were there to remind the people that they were to worship the God, one that told them to put the rocks there, and two, the God who did something for them, and that's why he wanted them to remember and commemorate what God had done for them. And as we've been going through the book of Acts, in chapter 2, Peter does it. In chapter 7, Stephen did it right before he was martyred. And just a couple weeks ago, we looked at chapter 13, where, where um, Paul does it. And, and you, you remember we looked in, in the verses in Paul and we kept talking over and over again all the active verbs that God did for him. In seven verses, there are 12 active verbs of what God did for the Jews, what God did for the people. And he wanted, the, the, he wanted in, in the preaching and in those piles of rocks that they were told to leave in the, as they crossed into Canaan and crossed the Jordan and put a pile of rocks into Jordan and, and more from there on, was to remember what God did for them. It, it wasn't, again, it wasn't to worship the rocks or, or even the memory. It was to worship the God that did that for them. And, of course, that, the, the one that, that Paul talks about in Acts chapter 13 that, that I love is it, it talks about the God put up with them while they were in the desert. He put up with them. Okay, and we... Is a good time to stop and think, what does God have to put up with us about? What is there in our lives that, that he puts up with us because he is God, because he is who he is, but he puts up with us. So in the, in the piles of rocks that Joshua left, it was to remember what God had done. Okay, take your paper out, and if you have a pen... I'm going to give you a minute or two to, to do the first part of this, and I, and I hope that you, you'll do a lot more at home today and in the coming week. As we look back on the past year, remember five things as a minimum, but five things that God did for you. And if it takes you more than a minute to come up with five You need to spend more time with God. Go ahead and write them down. I'm, I'm going to give you a minute or so. Just even, even if you just write down two now and take the rest home as homework. What is it that God did for me in the past year? Hopefully we're not causing anybody to blow any fuses or anything. What has God done for you in the last year? Okay, if you can take the 
take take that home and keep that keep that in your Bible. And we're gonna we're gonna add to it, but um, that's not the only reason you have that paper. This past week, my wife and I, Beth and I, were able to go over to Minneapolis and spend a couple days with AJ, our son. And uh, while we were with him, we we watched the movie. I still believe. And if any of you haven't seen that, you need to see that. It's uh, the story of Jeremy Camp, who is a Christian artist. Um, We've done a couple of his songs, The Same Power. Uh, We've sung that several times. Um, It's been a while, so we probably need to do that one again soon. Um, Another one you might recognize is No Longer Slaves. Um, If you go home this afternoon, YouTube, Jeremy Camp. And I pop up with a whole bunch of his music to listen to. Um, but it wasn't the story of his whole life, but it did, it did address his encounter when he got to Bible college. He was a songwriter and played guitar, and his dad was a, a preacher and played guitar too. And um, So when he went to Bible college, of course, it's a great place to, to, for a guy to meet a girl that, you know, Hopefully she's a Christian too, and they, they meet. And so he 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 was in a uh, performing a, at a concert one night, and he was up on stage, and he saw this girl in the audience, and it was love at first sight. I mean, he was smitten. He was done gone over the hill, head over heels. What a you know how any hyperboles you can use here. He was he was he was a goner. So through the story of it, in their relationship, as they. They grew to love one another. Um, she was very much into astronomy. Not astrology, but astronomy. And uh, one of the scenes they did was them sitting on a beach and just looking at the stars. And she said, you know, hmm, I, didn't, I didn't think about that at all while I was studying. Um, she says, you know, she says, the God who made billions of galaxies and trillions of stars. He knows my name. He knows who I am. The God, the God that is that big to create the galaxies that we haven't even seen yet and the trillions and trillions of stars that he knows them by name but as big as vast as that is, he knows your name. And he loves you. And he sent his son to die for you on the cross. But is there, is Jeremy and his, I can't, that's terrible, I can't even remember his wife's name. As they progressed in their relationship, um, she, very young, I believe she was 20 years old. She was a couple of years ahead of him in school, developed cancer. And um, Jeremy was, was being more active in concerts and his, shall we say, in a, so to speak, his career was taking off uh, in, in Christian music. Um, and, and he, she was at a concert. Well, she was at every one of his concerts um, until she passed away. But, oh, spoiler alert, I just ruined it, didn't I? Um, 
he, he asked the group to pray for her, and they prayed for her, and the Lord healed her. And she was cancer-free for six months. So they got married. And very shortly after uh, they were married, the cancer came back. And this time the Lord didn't choose to heal her, but he took her home. But the one thing, all it, 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 that, that as she was dying of cancer, that she wanted her husband to, to live on and live in, was that God had a plan for her life, and she was okay with that plan. Even though it was difficult, she was all right with God's plan for her life. And she said, through, through being at his concerts, and the testimony that, that God had cured her, and she was cancer-free for almost a year before it came back, was that she said, if one life, one person, hears of the testimony of Jesus Christ working in my life, it will have been worth it. Of course, I'm always a sucker for a good love story. Um, and this is true, it wasn't just made up for the movie. There was another artist that had been touring in Europe, and she had just come back, and she was really questioning her faith, wondering what it all meant. Um, the, the Being on the road and traveling with, with the music and, and singing night after night, uh, to, to her it was just kind of losing its meaning, losing its sense. And when she came back... <clears throat> And she heard the testimony of Jeremy and his wife. She went to Jeremy after the concert, and she said, I'm, I'm that one. I'm that one that Jesus used your wife's life and my life to make me realize and, and to understand the reality of who God is and that he has a plan and that I'm not just singing empty words night after night. And they eventually got married and have three children and they carry on her legacy and her testimony of Jeremy's first wife. But she said, I know that God has a plan for me, the great God that created all of this and so much more that we can't even see, that God knows my name. And he has a plan for my life. So, we're at New Year's. It's time to make some resolutions. I know in the past that we've used, I've used in my messages on New Year's, and, and I'll use them again today, a couple, a couple of uh, fun little quotes to remember. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And if you aim at nothing, that's exactly what you'll hit. So this year I'm challenging you to aim at something. Set a goal. I mean, that's what resolutions really are, is a goal that I want to accomplish in my life. 
in my prayer, I prayed, and, and, I, and I do this frequently at the end of my messages, I said that when we come back at this time next year, we hope that you're in a different place with the, your walk with the Lord. We hope that you love him more, that you have more faith, that you trust in him more, that you throw yourself on him more than you do today. So we need to aim at something. We need to have a plan. And I would ask, if you would, to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Remember, we've talked about the the Jews at different times. They were dispersed for different reasons. The Assyrians came in and took off the northern tribes in 722 B.C. I'm not going to remember the year for the Babylonians coming in and taking off the two southern tribes. It was 518 or something like that, sorry. And God had a plan for that. He allowed them to be taken into captivity because of their repeated sin. It was judgment on them. And as we've been looking in Acts, we know that they're scattered They're scattered because of persecution, because they're standing firm and they're standing for the truth. So there's different reasons that God scattered them, depending on the time and and where they were in their life as a nation and in their lives as individuals. And so this is a a message that God gave Jeremiah for the Jews that are in captivity. The, the first time, the first captivity with the Assyrians. But uh, Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. He wants us to search for him. He wants us to seek after him, to to grow and have a relationship with him because he has a plan for you. And you can't live and work in that plan if you're not in a relationship with him. You can't grow and develop unless you are in that relationship with him. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. And how comforting is that, that he has a plan for you. How many times have I said that? I'll probably say it a few more times. God has a plan for your life. Again, as big as the galaxies are, as big as the trillions of stars are, he made all of that, and yet he knows your name. He knows my name. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Thought just came to mind when I was in basic training in the Air Force back in 1985. The goal was to get through basic training without the TI knowing your name. Because if he knew your name, that meant you were a screw-up. <laughs> so if he didn't know your name, that was a really good thing. Not so with our God. He knows your name. He knows who you are because he loves you and he takes care of you. Now, does he know some names more than others? I don't think so. I don't think so. 
You know, the, oh, the famous Christians, what about this preacher, this singer, or whatever? Eh. Yeah, he knows them. Absolutely, he knows them. But he knows your name just as well as he knows their name. He loves you just as much as he loves them that may seem to be doing greater things for God. Be faithful, and in, in, in that's all he asks, is to be faithful for him. We, we don't all have the same gifts. We were not all famous speakers or authors or singers. But he still has a plan for your life. A very specific plan that he wants you to know. I have a plan that I have for you, declares the Lord, plan for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Is a, is a dad, you want to see your kids successful. And as our heavenly father, he wants to see us successful in our walk with him. And that is, is what he, he wants to keep us from calamity. Call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. That creator not only knows your name, but he wants to develop that relationship with you. He, he wants to fellowship with you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. If you aim at nothing, that's what you'll hit. So this year, you need to make some resolutions. It's, it's, uh, we've talked about this before, too. It's become popular to, um, you know, everybody gets a trophy. It used to be first place got a trophy. And second and third place got a ribbon. Then first, second, and third place got trophies. It's just that the first place trophy was a little bigger than the second and third place trophy. And now, now you, just everybody gets a trophy because you participated. Kudos to you just for showing up and participating. Well, then we got, we, that, the next step was you, you can't get an F. We, don't, we can't give out Fs because we don't want anybody to feel like failure. We don't want everybody, anybody to feel like they didn't meet the standard. So no more Fs. No more Fs. Every, everybody gets a passing grade. And... Um, we want everybody to feel good about themselves. And, and we don't keep score at, at kids' games anymore. I can think of a few of our Newberry teams where that would be a good thing right now. Um, anyhow, uh, it's gotten to the point, and, and you know, you, you just, when, you, when you think it can't get any worse than it does, been here in last week, And I know it's in, the, in, it's in the preschool right now, and I'm sure it will work its way into, into our elementary and high school soon. It won't take long. You cannot say to Johnny, good job, Johnny. You did really well on that. Unless you say it to every kid in the class. You can't compliment or encourage somebody to do a good job. Because somebody that didn't do a good job and didn't put effort into it might feel bad because Johnny got praise and they didn't. So now, not only is everybody equal on the same playing field and everybody gets a participation trophy, now teachers can get in trouble if they encourage students that did a good job. Dumb and dumber, aren't we? It's just absolutely stupid. 
It's nonsense. That <laughs> just that just blows my mind. Makes me lose my track of thought. You can't you can't even encourage kids anymore and tell them they did a good job. Are you kidding me? No, we're not. Unfortunately, we're not kidding you. That's in Newberry right now. It's not in the big city schools. That's in Newberry. Okay? Yeah. How sad. You can't encourage a kid because he did well. Just it's it's nuts. We're going to rise above that, though. <laughs> we're going to move on. And I, we're going to, I'm going to give you five resolutions that I would challenge all of you to make in your lives this year. And I ask you to write them down with me as we go through them, and we'll give you the scripture to go. But when you get home, make some of the, these. These are mostly spiritual applications in your daily life. Now, I know I have some other resolutions in, in my life for this coming year. One is to drink less Pepsi. <laughs> One is to eat fewer cookies, okay? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I have to. I, I'm at the point where I have to eat fewer cookies and drink less Pepsi, okay? Not, not that that's my desire, but I just know that I need to do that. But we're going to, so, so when you get home this afternoon, work on some of those, set some goals, we, we need to set goals to obtain, okay? But we're going to start, first of all, Hebrews 12, 1. Twelve one, and we'll read also verse 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In 2023... I resolve to fix my eyes on Jesus. I resolve to fix my eyes on Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9.24 And if you just want to write those down at this time and and listen as I read them, that's fine. Then you'll have them to to go back and and focus on. Uh, just, Just real quick back on, I resolve to fix my eyes on Jesus. I had a lady last year talk to me, and she said, you know, she said, God has been challenging me in my life that there are some things in my life that I need to take out of my life because they're not pleasing to him. And I want to focus more on him. I want to fill the the void that that leaves by putting those other things aside, those things that don't please Jesus. I want to fill that void with God's word. I was like, amen and amen. Don't get no gooder than that. That somebody will be challenged by God to get rid of things in their lives that they know they shouldn't, that they don't need. And to fill that void 
with things that please God. What do we focus on? 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Oh, that's not politically correct. Run in such a way that you may win, and everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control. It didn't say they all get trophies. Hmm. Exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way, not beating the air. But I bruise my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should not be approved. This year I resolve to run the race marked out for me. Again, God has a plan for your life. And we need to run the race that he has set for us so that we might attain to the goal to to reach and be fulfilled in the plan that he has for our lives. I resolve to run the race marked out for me. Number three, I resolve to take up my cross daily. Luke chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. I'm going to start in 23. If I just read my notes right, I'd get it right. Luke 9, 23 to 26. Sorry. He was saying to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what it... For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You can also write down on the side there Matthew twenty five thirty one. If we refuse to acknowledge Jesus before men, he will refuse to acknowledge us to the Father. That's a scary thought. That's a scary thought. I want Jesus to acknowledge me to the Father, but in order to do that, I have to acknowledge him to men. So I resolve to take up my cross daily, to deny myself the pleasures of sin, and to not be ashamed of him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Um, well, I'm going to read, I may skip a few verses in there, but just know that that's the context is verses 23 to 33. 
1 Corinthians 10, 23-33. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. And then it talks about eating and not eating under the old Jewish law. Um, down to verse 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but for the profit of many, that they might be saved. Think of Philippians 2. It says, put others before yourself. So this year I resolved... Yeah, I jumped again on that one. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 10, I resolved to do all that I do for the glory of God. And then in Philippians 2, I resolved to put others before myself this year. If therefore there is any, in Philippians 2, there is any encouragement in Christ... If there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Verse 3. I started in verse 1. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another is more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. I've debated whether to share this or not. I want to share it, but but understand it's not about me, okay? Um, We do the Feeding America boxes every month through NAMA. And at Thanksgiving and Christmas, we did some extra food boxes for, for neighbors of the church, for people in the church that we know. And there's one, two, three, four that, that are right across the street or the alley from us, families that we help. And I don't know if any of you have met this gentleman over here. His name is Ed. And... Um, Just trying to think if we should turn the maybe turn the mic off or the recorder off. If you would, Stephen. It would probably 